This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's time. Time for silver and black today. To the ground game. Touchdown Las Vegas. We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field. And bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get get it it on. Here's your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton. Welcome to Silver and Black today, the post-game edition of our Odyssey original podcast. The Raiders, 40-34 to 34 winners. 40 spot, folks. Raider Nation has to be excited tonight as the Raiders move to 4-7. and seven. They go to Seattle. They now win two in a row on the road in what has been a difficult year. And the Raiders started off rocky, but boy, did they finish on track in this one, winning in overtime And everybody out there has to be excited as this team, as I said throughout the week, this team to put together two wins, to go to Seattle and win this game would be very big for this team just to continue that role, that gain that confidence and kind of find their identity. Was it perfect? No. We'll talk about that, but a lot to talk about from the positive side of things. And to do that, as always on these post-game shows, I am joined uh, by our good friend, and that is uh, Mr. Murph from, uh, excuse me, I'm I'm switching my cameras back and forth here. Uh, Murph (laughs) from Raiders Fan Radio. He joins us now. He is traveling. You're in Florida, right? Murph I'm actually in the Gulf Coast of Mississippi Mississippi. I came down to visit yeah I came down to visit my son who's stationed at the CB base in uh in uh here in Gulfport Mississippi uh serving in the world's greatest navy and so uh so shout out to my son Tristan appreciate his service and uh and all the young men and women that are serving there at uh at the CB's base but yeah so I'm traveling and uh so I'm looking out the (laughs) Gulf of Mexico out of one uh, on one side 
And I got to watch the Raiders win a football game on the other side. I got to yes, celebrate sir. it with my with my son. This is the first time. He said, Dad, this is the first time in a few years I think I can remember sitting down and watching a whole Raider game with you, and they actually won. <laughs> well, see, it's a good holiday weekend. Thanksgiving, uh, of course, wrapping up tonight. <laughs> yeah. Happy Thanksgiving. It was great that you got to spend it with your family. My college-age son is here, too, as well. So it's been uh, a great, and I'm sure for all of you out there with family, friends, or loved ones, uh, so we wish you had a good one. It was a great Sunday, Murph, and as you talked about, this Raider team showed resilience, started Rocky, the interception on the first play from Derek Carr, uh, missing Devontae Adams there. Uh, and you're like, oh, no, here we go. But they there kept it together pretty well. Give me your initial reaction to this game, how this team played. And, of course, we'll dive into the particulars as we move along. You know, the things I think the thing that stood out to me most, Scott, was that it is confirmed that the Seahawks have the absolute worst uniforms in all of football <laughs> and uh, and their fans are highly overrated. But, you know, neither here nor there. Um, but, no, but in all seriousness, on the field, uh, this Raider team showed a lot of resiliency today. Um, we saw a lot of plays that, uh, you know, didn't go the Raiders way. Right. We saw a lot of mistakes happen. But I think that, you know, as, as I uh, speaking of my son, I tell him all the time. Your, your, your character is not defined by the mistakes you make. Your character is defined in what you do in response to those mistakes. And, in, in, and at times when the Raiders would make a mistake, like, I don't know, not converting on a, on a, on a fourth down. But and by the way, can we stop throwing the ball back <laughs> six yards when it's third and six inches to, or fourth and six inches to go? Drives me nuts when we do that kind of stuff. But anyways, but like you have those kind of mishaps in the game, but then you continue to fight. Uh, the team continues to play for Josh McDaniels. You know, as much criticism as this coaching staff has been under throughout the course of this season. Um, you know, this that that narrative that there was a disconnect or, you know, some kind mm -hmm. of dysfunction between coach and players or coaches and players, uh, the, the Raiders uh, have now continued to defy that now two weeks in a row. And so so it's great to see. And, uh, and, and I'm, you know, I'm always proud to be a Raider fan, but it always feels a little extra, a little extra something, something when we when you when you pull out a game on the road in Seattle, where historically we don't play all that great as of late. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And uh, Seattle playing well. I mean, of course, they've been one of the stories of the NFL. They discard Russell Wilson to the Broncos, who again lose today. Just look terrible. Uh, Russell Wilson now uh, getting an earful from his his teammates on the sideline, as we saw in the video, too. So just just horrific situation for those folks in Denver and 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 smiles on the face of Raider Nation oh. because, yeah, because it is the misfortune of, <laughs> of the donkeys, as the Raiders fans call. Uh, but you look at that situation, you look what happened in Seattle, and you knew it was going to be a tough game. I had a, a hard time picking the Raiders just because two games in a row on the road, that defense has done pretty well against the run but guess what they've never faced josh jacobs when josh jacobs is running in a contract year josh jacobs are you ready for this murph i don't know i'm sure you saw the stats 33 carries 200 229 wow. yards average of seven per play two touchdowns and of course he had the 86 yard run to win the damn ball game so you look at what josh jacobs is i mean and i've said this all along, and now it's four wins. This team does not have four wins. It might not have any wins, maybe one without Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs has put this team on his back with all due respect to the quarterback and taken it on his shoulders and said, listen, guys, follow me. And look what he did in this game. Coming in, banged up, right? He, We weren't sure he was going to even play in this game, Murph. And he comes out and gives one of the best, if not the best, performance of his career. 
You know, I love seeing the power that Josh Jacobs runs runs with. I mentioned last week he's like a smaller version of Derrick Henry, and like yeah. this is one of those kind of games where you just see that evident. Or something about those Alabama running backs, man. They they know how to run between the tackles, and that's where it gets frustrating to me when we get them outside that tackle box. And you saw it on that eighty six yard run. I mean, it was he had blasted it right up the middle. Of course, had a, an amazing block by Jakob Johnson, who's having a killer year and one Great of the underrated Raiders. Uh, you know, and 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 you know, as much as we miss Alec Engold, you know, he's done an amazing job. Uh, Jakob Johnson has, but, but yeah, but not to, not to, uh, you know, devalue what Josh did on the field today. Cause you, you're right. He's absolutely put this team on his back. Uh, not only is he just, he, he runs tough. You know, we've seen with that on that one play, he had a, he had a, he had a, a great juke on a play. Then he had a stiff arm and then took like, you see, like, you know, he, he has like all, he's like the, the total package, man, when it, mm-hmm. comes, when it comes to running backs, but the, and then, and then we see the hands today, we see him running like slant routes and stuff and seeing him pick up big yardage like that. Um, you know, it's what an amazing year for him. Uh, I brought this up last week, and and I and I and I don't have enough understanding of how um, franchise tags and things like that work. And I don't know if you can explain if we need to defer to like a mo, but on it. But like what what I'm what I'm wondering, Scott, is that when you decline a player's fifth year option, can you still franchise tag them? Because if his franchise tag number is you know, reasonably affordable, then maybe there is a case where the Raiders hang on to Josh Jacobs because I was thinking he was going to be gone no matter what, you know, because someone's going to offer him stupid money. So I'm just kind of curious to where that'll go. But you're you're right. And and, and to button it up, the the idea that not only is he our closer on offense, but I didn't we see a little bit of relief come from from Derek Carr today. It's like oh, yeah. the, the entirety of the pressure of the offense and the team's success mm-hmm. in general is placed upon the shoulders of DC four. And mm-hmm. when Josh Jacobs takes that sucker, 86 yards of the house, Derek about collapses down on himself. And, but I, and, and I thought in a way, it was just like, Oh, it was like, you just felt him <laughs> exhale that whole thing. Like, okay, I don't have to do this all on my own. Right. You know that there is somebody else in the building that can t- put this team on their shoulders. And I, I just thought that was a great moment for the Raiders in a season where we've had a lot of, a lot of things, a lot of headwinds, as the kids say. That's right. And and in fact, Derek Carr, of course, starts the game with an interception on a ball he overthrew a little bit uh, and put it in, I'd say, hot, if you will. Uh, a zinged it in to Devontae Adams, who couldn't get there, and it's picked off. And he did the same thing with Foster Moreau on the second pickoff uh, as well. So it was a little shaky to start there, but he pulled it together, had another efficient game. And I'm going to, I'll go to the stats now, looking at Derek Carr. Derek Carr, 25 of 36, 295 yards. He finally broke into the three-touchdown game thing that we had heard so many people uh, harping on. Of course, he had the two interceptions. But Derek Carr did everything he had. And the thing to me that really set up outside of the two two passes that were picked, um, Derek Carr had time to throw the ball. The, the offensive line deserves a lot of credit. They weren't perfect. And again, I'm going off watching the game. I watched the film later tonight and into tomorrow morning for our Tuesday show. And so I'll see what I see there. But overall, Murph, I got to tell you, that offensive line uh, stayed together well. A couple penalties, including one in the red zone from Illuminor, which was not great. But overall, you can't complain what they did in this ballgame. Not only running, they've been good at run blocking anyway the last several weeks. But mm-hmm. also the pass blocking got a lot better today. Yeah, a lot better. I think it really shows up, you know, those that performance is evident by looking at our success rate on third down. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what it was for the entirety of the game, but I do remember going into halftime. We were like five of seven on third down, which hasn't been the Raiders story at all this year. And so, you know, you, you can't run the football effectively without 
without a good offensive line. You're certainly not converting. You're certainly not giving your quarterback enough, you know, time to to make completions and 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 to, to see the rhythm that Derek Carr has with Devontae Adams in a game where Devontae Adams wasn't the star of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what his final stats were, but you know he's been on a tear uh, the past couple games, and 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 now you know I, I think he took a little bit of a back seat in terms of stats and performance and targets and things like that this week. But when, when we needed a conversion on third down and we were throwing the ball, that Derek Carr, Devontae Adams rhythm, that relationship showed up. And so, and I, and, and you're right, I think it all anchors with that offensive line and so much of, you know, not to jump to the other side. I know we'll talk about it uh, effectively later, but you know, like the old school football guys will tell you games were won in the trenches and the right. D line interior of the D line looked great today. And the freaking offensive line looked great today. And look at that. We want a football. We want a close one. Yes, and we're going to get to that defensive line coming up in the next segment, too. But I do want to get to the stats because, to your point, one of the things that we've hit on all year and we talk about on this show, especially the postgame show, is the inability for the Raiders to convert on third down. A lot of that has been due to coaching. A lot of that has been due to that offensive line. But you look at today, they finished 8 of 14, 57%. For a team that's often in the 20 and 30% range, Huge, huge difference. And in my view, the reason they won the game. Also, red zone, two of four. Now, this game might have been a little bit of a this might have been a little bit of a blowout had they been able to convert on one more. Uh, but two of four at 50%, which was great. Also, goal to go. Remember how terrible they've been in goal to goal for like the last four years? They were one for one and goal to go. So there you go. All positive impacts. Now Again, people get mad at me because, you know, all the people who want the number one or number two draft pick, they want the Raiders to lose, which still blows my mind. But nonetheless, again, it's about building positivity, seeing what you have. How are you going to build on this team? And Murph, I think seeing that offensive line, they're going to address the offensive line in the offseason. No question. There's still some things there. You're also still missing your top other two receivers in Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, right? So you have guys that were out of the game too. So you're not going at full speed here, or I should say with your full complement of tools. But overall, the offense, the last two weeks, you have to go on your recency. Two weeks, this offense is putting it together a little more regularly, and you like to see the consistency. Yeah, absolutely, and I agree with you. We're going to definitely address address the offensive line. You know, there was as much as we could praise them tonight. You know, we still get we saw you know Dylan Parham on that third and one got Oof. absolutely annihilated on that play. You know what I mean? So there's <laughs> not great. He's a young man. He's a rookie, and I, and I and I get it. But yeah, we certainly need to to add some depth. We need to add some help. But I think that it's encouraging. I I think to me, my biggest takeaway is this: is that when you see uh, a unit or, you know, uh, in, again, I will talk about defense later, but it, the, you know, the, the defensive struggles we've had, the offensive line struggles that we've had to see improvement week to week, that's a sign of good coaching in which we didn't see that early on. We saw regression, which is a sign of bad mm-hmm. coaching. And so that, and it was like, it seemingly lo- it looked like it was only going to go one direction. It looked like this thing was plummeting downhill. We were getting worse and worse and worse as the season went on. We were blowing bigger and bigger leads more frequently losing on more, you know what I mean? More impactful plays, um, not winning the down, right? All those things. But now all of a sudden we are starting doing those things. And now they're Again, Seattle's not an easy place to play. You mentioned no. at the top of the show, they're a hot team right now. They're one of the stories of the league this year. A place where we don't historically do good. It's a crazy loud environment. All that stuff stacked up against the Raiders, a team that's been struggling. And so for us to then outperform where we've been and to continually improve, like that's a sign of good coaching. And so that means that 
Carmen Brasillo is doing his his work on that offensive line. You know, yeah. we're talking about the offense. You know, like and so I think that's encouraging. Yes, plenty more work to do, but if this is a case where we start finding some building blocks as we you know continue our ten and seven run and and a, and a run at the Super Bowl, Scott, because we're still going to win it. Now back to back <laughs> wins. I mean, it's clearly evident. But um, but yeah, you know. But I mean, but all seriousness, it's nice to see at least this thing building in a positive direction after it was going so negative for so long. Yeah, in fact, my 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 15-year-old son said, oh, so now they're four and seven. I said, yeah. And he's like, well, they if they win six more, they might make the playoffs. <laughs> I said, yeah. You, he's you not wrong. Know, right? it's a, it's a, it, I think they're, they're probably their chances improved to 9% today or whatever. But nonetheless, again, you just want to see improvement and see what you have there, especially with the way it started this season and the coaching and all that. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into the rest of the game. We'll talk about the defensive line. We'll talk about the coaching. I know it's still an issue. Uh, a lot of people, as Murph mentioned, frustrated by some of the short yardage calls, and I think they have a point. We're going to talk about that a little bit here. So if you're listening to us on the audio, we're going to take a break. If you're listening to us and watching us on the live video, we're going to be right back in just a few seconds. You're listening Listening to Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast, the post-game show Raiders 40 to 34 winners over the Seattle Seahawks. Don't go anywhere, Raider Nation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to Silver and Black Today, the post-game edition. Scott Branson, your host, along with my good friend Murph from Raiders Fan Radio. If you don't already subscribe to the podcast here, make sure you do it wherever you get your podcast. Just look for Silver and Black Today. Uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, hit subscribe. Also hit the notifications bell. Also, do me a favor. Go over to the Raiders Fan Radio profile on YouTube. Go follow them, too. They're live on Wednesday nights, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Make sure you check it out. It is a great show. That's why we have Murph here because we can't get enough of him. Uh, so his girl will kick him out. She's had enough of him, but we are not going to kick him out. <laughs> we're keeping him around. Uh, but anyway, we're talking about this game. Uh, what a big, big win for the Raiders. And yes, it is a big win. It'd be uh, four and seven. It's not, a big, it's a big win. They string together two which in a season like this is a big deal. You got to see a lot of great performances. And Murph, let's dive into what we saw went right in. And the first thing I want to talk about was the interior of the defensive line. Patrick yes. Graham's defensive play calling we'll get to later too, because that's going to be towards the end of the show in the, uh-oh, we need to still fix this stuff portion of the show. But uh, when you look at the interior defensive line, uh, the in, the initial, uh, excuse me, addition of Tillery up front made a difference. He made some plays. He really created a presence there, Jerry Tillery. Also, Bilal Nichols. We saw the Bilal Nichols we thought we'd see all season out there. Mm -hmm. uh, we saw Cleveland Farrell playing well. Of course, Max Crosby 
with another sack and a half. Should have been two sacks uh, there. Uh, Geno Smith got rid of the ball towards the end of the game. Was very very lucky to do that. But man, I'll tell you what, that's what you need. It goes to show you, Murph, if your interior defensive line can play at least at that level, that frees up Chandler Jones, who had a good game despite not getting another sack, uh, but also frees up Max Crosby, who is the defensive player of the year in my mind uh, so far this season. Uh, Talk about that, what you saw, how exciting that was from a fan's perspective as well. Yeah, yeah, it was great. You know, the the interior of when when you start getting that that pass rush in the interior, it does a few different things, right? Most importantly, like you're talking about, you start sucking up blocks and you start freeing up the guys that are really good at rushing the quarterback. You allow them to rush the quarterback. But also when you got 300 pound dudes falling around your feet as a quarterback, you start getting real unhappy real quick and you start getting real happy feet and you start moving, you know, what what do they say? Off base throws, right? Uh, You know, you want to, you want to get them off balance. You want to get them out of their comfort zone. You get them out of the pocket, you get them moving, but it's, it's, it's an uncomfortable place for a quarterback to be. And what happens when they slide out of that pocket, when they're trying to, to create, or even, you know, cause you can't step up. Right. So, because you're getting that, you're getting that pressure. What happens is that, that that's when things get loose and that thing, when things get created and uh, you know, we saw it, we saw, we, we, we saw, you know, of course it was on a, it was on a, on a, on a, on a uh, fumbled on an exchange, but we saw Chandler Jones zip in there quick. It was nice to see mm-hmm. 55 on the screens. Now a couple of times in a row. Yeah. We'd like to see him get some sacks. I think that's, um, it's kind of funny to me uh, that uh, not that you said it, but the way that some of the way it's pre- presented by the Raiders sometimes they're like, Oh, we love Chandler Jones. Yeah. He doesn't show up on the stat sheet, but we love what he's doing. It's like, <laughs> well, didn't you kind of bring him in to show up on the stat sheet? Like, I don't know. I'm just uh, call me crazy. But, um, but anyways, but like, but it is nice to see him have, have a great play, but Max Crosby, like the fact that that, that interior line had that presence, had that pressure and then allows him to, when he gets a one-on-one, it's ball game. We saw him with the bull rush. We saw him with the duck. We saw him. I mean, that dude's got, now he's building up an arsenal of tools in terms of his pass rushing ability. And like, I mean, Max wasn't a, wasn't a bull rush guy. And now you see him just freaking rocking uh, tackles back and, and just go. And I mean, he not only closed this game once, but closed this game twice. And we haven't had a closer on this football team on the defensive line since Khalil Mack. We thought Chandler Jones might be that guy this year, but it's not. It's Max Crosby, but that's okay. Like the idea that that young man is earning every single penny of that 98.98. <laughs> I mean, just absolutely amazing. And, and yeah, couldn't be a, more thankful as a fan to see where this thing's going on the defensive line. Yeah, and there's a lot of other players we got a shout out, and I see everybody in the YouTube chat talking about other players who played well. Yes, Denzel Perryman had the interception, of course, Absolutely. and again, his second just phenomenal game in a row, and we expect that from Denzel Perryman based on last year. It took him a little bit to get started this year because of the injury. Uh, Billings, Nichols up front, I mentioned. Deron Harmon at safety uh, continues to be the Raiders' yes. best safety. Amik Robertson, Rocky Asin in spots. They both played. Amik Robertson had a couple nice really sequences against uh, um, DK Metcalf. It's a tough guy, strong guy to cover. And so you're starting to see, I think we talked about it in the first segment on offense, but you're starting to see it on defense too. These guys, it's belief, right? It's having the faith in one another and in your own abilities and in the system to to play where you're supposed to play, do what you're supposed to do, and as they call it in the Raider the Raider locker room, do your job, right? And you're starting to see these guys do it. I'm not saying these guys are lighting up the world on defense or that they're an all-pro defense. I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying, though, is it's getting better. And if you're a Raider fan, when you have a season like this, as you and I said last week after the win, you just want to see improvement, steady improvement, so you know things are headed in the right direction. 
Yeah, and you know, when you look at like, I'll give you another play that stood out to me. You know, the, the Seahawks had a third and 11 and they throw a screenplay, right? Uh, for those of us that remember the days of Jamal Charles taking screen passes to the house, like that was like a very vulnerable spot for the Raiders. Like previous versions of the Raiders, we get gouged on that. Like when everyone mm-hmm. on the planet knows what they're doing on a third and 11, throwing it, throwing that screenplay, but for whatever reason, it would freaking torch Jason Tarver's defense. You know what I mean? So like the idea that like now the Raiders then completely collapse that play, shut it down quick. Like those are the kind of things that I gave Patrick Graham all the crap in the world. I was calling for the guy to like, I mean, not that I, my opinion matters, but I'm like, this guy <laughs> needs to go. Like we got Rob Ryan in house, like give him a headset and let's move on. You know what I mean? But like, look at now all of a sudden the Raiders are making plays. And I thought that that was a, you know, evidence of, cause again, you see that kind of stuff and it just like, it's, you, you know, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to play down the actual, the seriousness of the, of the, uh, of, the, of the the condition of PTSD, but like when you got like as a Raider fan, I'm like watching this thing and I'm like, oh no, here it goes. Like this is where <laughs> we see some goofy, you know what I mean? Some 80 yard play out of nowhere, but that's not what happened to uh, to this team on this day. And so you, you got to chalk that up to not only improvement, but, but uh, you know, better coaching. And so I, I got to give the Raiders credit, man. It was awesome. Yeah, it was. And I think that that's what you have to look for. I mean, Webb played well too. Kevin, our good friend, Kevin Wynn out on, uh, on uh, YouTube talked about that as well. Agreed. And that's what you do when you have a win like this. What you, what you see is you see everybody playing well. Now, were there plays that they didn't play well? Yes, we saw that sequence where the Raiders' defense over the middle are seemingly nobody there, and that's a scheme issue. Don't know what's going on yeah. there. I have to look at the film to understand it. I can't really comment on it other than I know fans noticed it, and, of course, the commentators talk about it, so fans jump on it quickly. But but I'm not sure what happened there. But overall, I think that's what you're seeing is you're starting to see all of it sink in. And I know we all got impatient and we said, listen – okay, they're not executing, but yet the coaching wasn't good. And we'll get into the coaching again, like I said, in the next segment, because I think it deserves some addressment, addressing of it. But overall, you just like to see these guys playing as well as they are. Foster Moreau, another guy who's really stepped up. He had a couple big drops today, I would consider that, but he more than made up for it with the big touchdown in the back of the end zone, a beautiful throw from Derek Carr to Foster Moreau. But I also think it shows you that the offense and and the play calling in those plays uh, was right on. And I think I've seen, I've seen in my view, an improvement from Josh McDaniels on play calling as the Raiders are getting into the red zone or going on key third down plays. Are you feeling the same thing? Yeah, I do, and I and I I can't believe I'm actually really getting behind what this coaching staff was saying in press conferences because that's a few a few weeks ago I'm like these guys suck in a press conference, um, but like you, you know they were talking about execution and they were talking about that you know and it almost and at the time it felt like they were really dumping it on the players and it felt like they were like like shifting blame or making excuse for or whatever, but like. You know what I mean? Like kind of like qualifying what it was that they were doing and it was great, but what these guys are doing on the field is terrible and that's why we're not winning. But then you see today, okay, so like uh, start off with defense, we'll come back to the offense because that's where you were leading with it. Defensively, we saw horrible missed tackles uh, as, what was it, Uh, Harmon, is that who Mm -hmm. was the the running back that ran that that, that ball in? Um, Okay, so horrible missed tackles. We saw um, uh, Roderick Teamer with a really, really bad read. Uh, on a crossing route on DK Metcalf. Okay. So like you see those things, well, that they were in the right spots. It really was poor execution. So 
coaching staff does its job. Now player needs to go and do their job. And on those cases, they fell a little bit short. Now, overall performance is fine because we won the football game, but you, you see where I'm going with it. Right. So we, yeah. you start to see the execution. And then the same darn thing on offense. How many times has Josh Ben McDaniels been criticized for the cute plays? And today, what do we see? First touchdown, wheel route, Amir Abdullah. I mean, Amir Abdullah hasn't really shown off his, his pass catching and running ability since the preseason. And now all of a sudden, we got him running wheel routes down the sideline, catching touchdown passes. And we're like, let's go. Like, the, yeah. this is what we were looking for. But then even more so than that, again, to go back to play calling and the effectiveness <clears throat> of coaching and guys actually executing the flea flicker. Mac Collins was wide open. The <laughs> offensive line holds up. They did their job. Derek flips it out there, doesn't do any goofy floater thing, doesn't overthrow him, just puts the ball on him, and, and Mac Collins does the rest and takes it to the house. So it's like you kind of start to see this thing blend together and to do everything that everyone was speaking in the room about the high praise, but we didn't see the results on the field. Well, now we're actually starting to see the results show up on the field, and that's a great thing to see. Yeah, and our good friend Rossi down in Australia says, are we really celebrating a defense that gave up 30 points? And and it's a good point. I'm not I, it's not lost on me, Rossi, but I will tell you this, and Murph, I'll get your comments on it too, which is you look at two of the scores that uh first of all, to start the game, they get the ball in great terror. So so the offense turned the ball over either via via turnover or via a bad coaching play, in my view, on a on a on a short third and fourth down, down play where Josh McDaniels decides to pitch the ball back five yards to get five inches. And you gave Seattle the ball. You, you gave your defense a very short field. So I'm, 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 I'm not excusing because you just mentioned it, Murph, the, the bad tackling, some of the blown routes, all that kind of stuff. Still there. This is not a great defense. It's never going to be a great defense. There'll be wholesale turnover. I'm not saying that. But I have to say – up front particularly played a lot better than they have. Again, that does not mean they're a great defense or even a good defense yet, but they played well enough tonight, I think, to make the plays that they needed to make in order to give this team the opportunity to go down and win at the end, which, of course, they had to kick the field goal, and then they won in overtime, uh, thank goodness. And the defense held up in overtime, which was a big part of this. So at key moments, they did what they what they had to do. Is that your assessment too, Mark? Yeah, that's all they needed to do. You know, we talked about it on our show this last week. I ran down all the, you know, the the defensive ranks for the Raiders since Derek Carr has been in the league. And like the highest it was, was in 2016 and 2017. And oh my gosh, look what happened in 2016. We made the playoffs. What a concept, right? And I'm like, <laughs> and this doesn't absolve Derek Carr of any of his, you know, lack of performance at times. But the idea is this, is that offensively, we've been good enough to win a considerable amount more football games than we have, whether you put it all entirely on Derek mm -hmm. Carr or not. The idea is this, is that the entirety of the team is improved when your defense isn't in the bottom five of the NFL. And a lot of times it's 32nd, it's 29th, it's 28th. It's what it's definitely in the depths. And so if the we don't expect this defense, I didn't expect this defense going into the season to be a top 10 defense. I don't think we need a top 10 defense, but a 16 or 17 might be cool. And if we get a top, you know what I mean? That type of a defensive performance, that's all we need. Are we going to blow a few plays? Sure. It's going to happen because like you said, Scott, you know, we're going to run out of talent. We got to, we're going to have a lot of, we're going to have a lot of turnover. There's going to be a lot right. of change going on, 
but they're good enough. And if they're coached up to the point, which is seemingly they're headed that way, then we are good enough to be at least, I don't know, top 20. And if we're top 20, we can make the playoffs like that. I mean, I'm saying this year per se, but the idea is that we don't need them to be the 85 bears. You know what I mean? Like we don't need them to be that. We just need them to be the 06 Colts. <laughs> there you go. So, so uh, agreed. And I think that's, that's where you have to get. And, and, and the Raiders playing like they're playing now, you just want to see who they have play to the best of the ability. And yes, the Raiders had to score 40 points. But again, I think that was exacerbated by some of the things we're going to talk about when we come back from the second break, which is some of the play calling on offense, particularly one play, I think that got the the hair on the back of the neck of Raider Nation to really stand up and say, whoa, what are we doing there? Uh, but but uh, that's going to happen in the course of a game too. Nothing goes perfectly. If you watch other NFL games like I do all day long on Sundays, you see lots of questionable things happen. So the Raiders aren't alone in it, but it's what happened. All right, so we're going to take uh, a quick break. When we come back, uh, for our audio folks, we're going to take a break break. On video, we're going to come right back as well, and we will get through the rest of our take on this game. You're with Murph and Scott here on Silver and Black Today and Odyssey Original Podcast. Don't go anywhere. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, welcome back. Silver and Black today, the post-game edition, the Raiders, 40 to 34 winners in overtime. Yes, it had to be in overtime. They couldn't do it in regular <laughs> standard four quarters. They had to play that fifth quarter, but it works out great for the Raiders. This is Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Scott Branson, your host, along with the voice of the fan, Murph from Raiders Fan Radio, is with us, and we are talking about this game. Also, you look at, again, from an offensive standpoint, we talked about Josh Jacobs, 33 carries, 229 yards. Zamir White finally got two carries, 28 yards, yeah. had a couple nice runs, as well as Amir Abdullah with three for 16 and Derek Carr for two for 10. And then receiving Devontae Adams seemed like a quiet night, but he had big catches when he needed to. Seven grabs for 74 yards, targeted 11 times. Touchdowns from Mac Hollins, Amir Abdullah receiving, as well as Foster Moreau. And of course, the big run by Josh Jacobs. All right, so Murph, let's get into the things that could have gone better, despite the fact that everybody should feel good about uh, tonight's win. Uh, you look at the fact that um, that third, or excuse me, fourth and inches uh, near midfield for the Raiders. Josh Jacobs is running all over the Seattle defense. So you understand, hey, I'll, I'll go to Jacobs too. You also talked about Yaqib Johnson, how he was going nuts. He was slaying people I said he was murdering people at the line. Some of the blocks early in that game, I oh, felt yeah. them at home. I mean, my bones rattled. <laughs> this guy yeah. uh, was just phenomenal. And so they line up. I'm thinking quarterback, or I'm thinking you, you, you put the two backs and you just let him do his thing. Instead, Josh McJan McDaniels does a pitch that's basically four yards back. The Raiders lose yardage. Ball goes back to Seattle, who ends up goes down and scores. Um, these are the kind of plays that you're still seeing a handful of during games, and they can have significant impact. It's the only thing, in my view, 
that worries me about Josh McDaniels, and he's learning. And I guess now they're four and seven. To your point, this isn't like a, a seven and three or an eight and two football team where they're thinking about playoff seating. They're just trying to figure it all out. Still, though, you see plays like that, and you just gotta wonder. Hmm. Now we're not coaches. I have not accomplished anything that Josh McDaniels has accomplished, Murph. But those kind of things, they drive fans crazy. I can only imagine how some of those players feel on the field, even if they're believing in themselves. I don't understand either. And I've never understood something, frankly, about uh, Derek Carr on short yardage. And I don't think it's Derek's fault. Uh, why is it that we don't sneak the ball more? Yes. I mean, you got gang- gangly Tom Brady, who is like can, can <laughs> lean forward and seemingly pick up two yards at any time. You got Derek Carr, who's you know, 6'3", 215, some odd pounds. We know he's a big, strong guy. We've seen, you know, Lord, he doesn't own any shirts without sleeves. We know he's got, we know he's a big, strong guy. Like, why don't we just have him lean forward and pick up? Like, we, ne- and, and I, and I can't think that there's something that Derek is incapable of, but no one's ever done it. Like, I don't know how many sneaks that guy's got in his career, but it isn't many because he, we don't rarely ever see him do it. And I've never understood that of why the Raiders don't just let him freaking like, you know, just just lean forward and get behind freaking Andre James and at the time Rodney Hudson and just freaking get that six, six inches. And so, yeah, so I'm with you. It's a very frustrating thing. And then especially knowing that Josh Jacobs, like his strength and and I get, you know, the, the, the running off tackle and I get all that and creating space. And on that on that 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 short yardage play, they spread everybody out and they pitched them out. And so that things because they were trying to create room out there. But to me, it's I've just never understood it. It was it used to drive me nuts with Marshawn when we needed when it was a third and one and we pitch it out to make him run seven to get one. And here we got another case of it. You need six inches like or why not Jakob Johnson? Why just turn <laughs> yeah. around and give it to him? You know what I mean? Or have Derek step out and direct snap it to Josh. Or I don't know. There's something else creative you can do, not only within the tackle box, but within the guard box. Like just freaking yeah. punch that sucker up in there. And it's real, it's real interesting. Uh, and I'm sure, I'm sure in the post-game press conference, which we'll analyze on the next show, and I know you guys talk about on your show on Wednesday as well. I'm sure they'll talk about it. Somebody in the media corps will ask about it. It just it seems odd to me because I think everything else with Josh McDaniels that was really frustrating, and you could see from the outside from a coaching perspective, especially on offensive play calling, has gotten better, I believe, over the last, the last three weeks. Okay, so you've seen it markedly yeah. get better. You're starting to see plays that are going. The trick plays aside, which of course the flea flicker worked beautifully today, as you mentioned earlier. But when you look at that, you think to yourself, okay, everything else seems to be trending in the right direction. The players on board, they believe in it. They're executing those plays, but then you see those plays and you just wonder what is it about it? And maybe somebody out there in the chat will tell us because uh, I know we have a bunch of coaches and stuff that watch us, but, but I'm not (laughs) sure. I'm not sure why it happens, but I know for a fan, it gets very frustrating because you just don't know in a play. So now the Raiders next week, they go in uh, back home and they're going to play the chargers who had a big win today. Uh, on the road as well. And so so you you you're gonna face a better team, I think, in some ways, a matchup. And it's an intra division meeting as well with the Chargers, the hated Chargers. And so it's gonna be a lot different. And so a play like that, luckily the Raiders recovered from it, but you don't always recover from plays like that. Yeah, and of course, like you said, you know, no one knows coaching more than YouTube and no one knows, you know, <laughs> general managing better than Twitter, right? Like, why That's go right. back and watch old Vince Lombardi videos when you can go to YouTube? Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, but, but, but I'm with you. It is confusing, and I'm looking forward to those answers as well. I mean, 
I, I think that there's a while and, and not to just completely reiterate what you said, Scott, but, but I thought it was a very salient point that like, you know, Josh McDaniels has clearly improved on his play calling in terms of like, I think he might be accept, accepting some of the limitations that we have on offense, maybe accepting some of the, you know, the lack of understanding or lack of knowledge, whatever the case may be. Maybe it's just lack of familiarity. Maybe it's lack of talent, whatever those things are. It felt like he started to like pull back away from that, the cuteness factor a little yeah, bit. And then was a little more strategic with the cuteness factor. And, and we like, again, we saw it a couple times tonight. One worked tremendously. One didn't work so well. Um, but then overall, though, it seemed to seemingly looked pretty good. Um, you know, then again, so again, it comes down to execution. And, you know, I think Derek's got a few throws he wants back on there, uh, you know, it, during the game. But then that said, then you got the Devontae Adams, though, bailing him out on a, on, a, on a couple throws, one in particular. That, that one-handed grab might be the most underrated pass catch that we've seen all year long and i know it wasn't like some crazy obj like it was super high elevation back up but just the idea that the, the, it's to me this is and i and I, I won't go all on a tangent here scott but one of the most <laughs> amazing things about cliff branch about watching cliff branch play yes he was fast he was incredibly fast but what made him great what made him a hall of famer was his ability to adjust to the football like yeah. that's what made him great because he was so fast and so explosive to still be able to adjust to the football at the last second. That's what made him great. He did in the Super Bowl against the Eagles. Seeing Devontae Adams do what he did tonight to make that absolute last second adjustment to where the defender had no idea what was going on and pull that sucker in with one hand. That was impressive. Like if you're a fan amazing. of football watching a play like that, I mean, just amazing. So anyways, I know we're on coaching and all that, but I thought that, you know, no, that's the, huge. It's just, that was, those are the kind of things that that makes coaching good, right? When, yeah. when you have that sure. kind of execution or success on the field, that makes the coaching look that much even better. Well, and, and, and I'm not getting lost in the fact that they won the game and there were great calls too. I mean, I'm, we're just focusing on these because it happened several times during the game. Uh, and it's just one of those things you want to talk about because anytime you win a ball game, of course, you want to give credit for all the things that went right. But you also continue to look at improvement. And so how do you improve things? And that's certainly one of the improvement. But you mentioned the Devontae Adams catch. Phenomenal. He was held as well. That's what made it even. That's why he yes. had to catch it with yes. one hand. Um, and again, I know Raider fans really like to complain about the referees, and I understand it. I don't do it as much, and I tend to give you guys crap about it. Um, and so I'm not going to complain about it, but that should have been a call. It was not a call. It should have been a call. That that crew, by the way, not only on Raider games, that crew, every game I watch them are terrible. So it's just a bad crew. And so there was calls terrible on both sides of the ball. And, and the 10-minute freaking review uh, on the DK Metcalf no-catch. Oh. I mean, this is where, but see, I always tell people this, though, Murph, as bad as that is, people, oh, things got to change. This is ridiculous. How does the NFL allow this to happen? It was longer than a baseball replay, which it was, um, is the fact that the NFL doesn't care because you keep buying the product. <laughs> so we all watch football <laughs> and we, we love to complain about it, but it doesn't make ratings go down. So unless it does, unless they lose money, they're just going to be content to let those little things happen, which is unfortunate. Uh, but I, I wanna, like that. And go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I was, and like, and like OG Raider fan will tell you, you know, hey, look, we've always had this. This has always been the condition of Raider teams. But guess what? We used to win anyways. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? So I would true. just say this to your Raider fan: like, don't act brand new, as the kids would say, right? Like, <laughs> this is the what happens to us. So we're just gonna win anyways, right? Absolutely. There you go. Defense, though, again, I want to because the Raiders have had how many seasons now trouble 
sacking the quarterback, right? And it's been it's been a contention this year too. They only had nine sacks coming into this. Excuse me, they only had fourteen sacks coming in or fifteen coming into the game. Uh, I'm getting my number wrong. I should have wrote it down. But anyway, Max Crosby had nine of those. You come in today, Max Crosby has a sack and a half to to bump that up. Billings had a sack, and also Bilal Nichols had a half sack with Max Crosby on the one on Geno Smith. So good to see that as well, and some of these numbers uh, going in the positive direction. Murph, you look at this team now, one, two in a row. Again, anytime you're not going to make up for talent deficiencies. Let's be straight about that. But what you do is you continue to gain confidence. You play better, hopefully. You play to the full extent of your abilities at the very least. So that's what you have to hope from this Raiders team. As they get set to go home for the first time in three weeks and host the Chargers uh, in, in a big game, because the Chargers and the Raiders are 2-2 two and two in the division. I know, I know the Chiefs are there and all that jazz, but at least you can start to look at that and say, hey, you know what, let's get a game up in the division and be just behind the leader in the division. You could get second place in the division. Little things sometimes uh, can make you feel better, and that could be one for Raider Nation. But going into this game, that confidence, these two wins, no matter how they won the game, is big for this team as they continue to build that confidence and believe in themselves, believe in the system, believe in their coach. Yeah, that's a great call-out, Scott. And, you know, and road wins in the NFL are, are not easy. You know what I mean? So now to – to, to go back home after after beating the donkeys and that you know and, and now and beating the sea chickens and now we got a shot at the dolts you know which when we know we can take care of business <laughs> at Allegiant Stadium it's how we ended the season last year you know I, I think the Raiders are going to have a lot of confidence going into this game I think Raider Nation is going to be firing all, on all cylinders I'm I'm trusting that with this recent run of success we'll see a you know maybe not so much you know that stupid powder blue and yellow in the stands and <laughs> you know Raider fan will show up and 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 we'll you know we'll, we'll We'll support our boys and and, and get the, keep this thing going, man. Because you know, look, it, it's I look at it like this, and this is just, and I'm not gonna tell anybody how to fan their fandom. And I respect all Raider fans, whatever your take is, as long as you're passionate about this football team. I don't care about anything else. Everybody's got their own takes. Everybody's got their own opinions. My opinion, though, is this: is that in a season like this, where it, it, the expectations were high, they performed low early on. I look for things to root for. And, you know, you start with your division. Can we win some division games? Yeah. Those got to be now our Super Bowls. Yeah, it's nice to beat, uh, you know, the Seahawks. But can we beat the Chargers, a team that that freaking took us out earlier in the year? Can we beat them? Can we beat the Niners? Can we beat the Chiefs? Can we get an advantage in the division? Look, I don't want my team to finish third in the division. I don't, certainly don't want them to finish last. So just like you're saying, Scott, if we can leapfrog the, the, the Chargers and, and then take our position right behind the Chiefs in second place, like that makes me proud as a Raider fan because that means that our team is better than two of the others within our division. And so like those things, you start to at least build, you know, I mean, I'm always proud to be a Raider fan that will never subside, but it makes yeah. you proud of their performance on the field, which is, you know, it's, it's, kind of a nice to have it's not a must for me but it's a nice to have that the team actually does well so despite how the thing started despite whether our, our whether we're going to make the playoffs or not despite where we're going to draft none of that crap matters all i care about <laughs> is how this team finishes out how we look week to week and i'll say one last thing to those of you that are that are really hammering on this draft thing lighten up man look if you've got a good gm <laughs> he's gonna freaking draft well okay yeah. 
Like yep. d- look at all the different drafts that the, the, that the Steelers have had over the years yeah. or that the Patriots have had over the years. They never were drafted in the top 10. So don't give me that whole like, no, idea or notion that we have to be in any particular position to perform well in the draft. The draft is a damn crapshoot. We got 800 freaking picks. Let's let Dave Ziegler go to work, do what he does best, and hopefully pull some damn talent in this draft and not sweat where we draft. Like, really? Like, come on. We're barely halfway through the season, and we're worried about where the Raiders are going to draft. Let's just worry about just win, baby. What a concept. (laughs) And you know what? The draft thing comes down to this. Yes, there will be great players at the top of the draft, defensively, offensively. But my read on the Raider fans who are really focused – on staying in the top 10 of the draft is because they want another quarterback. And and look, if that's your oh, view, to- good, yeah. but, but if that's their view, totally fine with that. I'm somewhere in the middle with that equation. And so I get it. I understand it. They need the quarterback of the future. There might be a quarterback of the future that you could develop later in the draft. Uh, but a lot of people want that quarterback because it's a good quarterback class. So I think that's where the division line comes back. If you're happy with Derek Carr, want him to be back next year, then you don't really care about being in the top 10 or even really top 12. Uh, if you do want another quarterback, you absolutely want to be there. So I think there's some of that involved here because everything has to come back to the common denominator, which is number four, right? I mean, it just seems absolutely. like it has to. Um, and that's well, fine. You know, People and, have their view. And, you know, and maybe we pull a Hendon Hooker or something in the fourth round and develop yeah. him and let him recover from his ACL and be 45 years old when he's a rookie or whatever the heck is going on <laughs> with that guy. But, but you know what I mean? Like, there's there's yeah. there's options for the team. But, like, you know, the, the old adage goes, Scott, and I will stand by this forever, is that you draft superstars in the first round, sure. You draft mm-hmm. the, you, the, the flashy – but you draft championship teams and depth in the later rounds. That's mm-hmm. where you build your team. And yeah. so like that to me is way more important than a top five pick. Particularly third and fourth round. I mean, you look at currently the Raiders whiffed on a lot of those. Although they hit on the fourth rounder with Max Crosby and Hunter Renfro. If he can come back and play like he has, then you still got some of those guys around. And that's where you can really, uh, I say, butter your toast, if you will, uh, with that. Yes. But Murph, the other thing here, too, and, and again, people know I'm not I'm not here. I don't blow smoke and rainbows up your backside. OK, but you you look at you look at the Raiders And you say, okay, they've won two in a row now. Lots of things to fix, but a very good game, a very good performance overall when you look at what they were able to do on the road two weeks in a row against a Denver team that might be the worst offense in the history of the NFL, and I'm not kidding when I say that. Um, But they now host the Chargers. If they can beat the Chargers, all right, and then they're going to face a bad Rams team on Thursday night. I'm telling you, you suddenly could say Raiders win five in a row. I know I'm getting ahead. I'm putting the cart before the horse here. All I'm saying, though, is you build and you build and you take one game at a time, right? So you got to worry about the Chargers only. But I'm telling you, the Raiders can start to really put together something here that makes them feel good about themselves. And more importantly, it gives Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels the ability to, and I had somebody on Twitter calling me out because I said they should run Jacobs less tonight because we knew coming in, he was injured. Now, maybe that was all folly and it wasn't as true as we thought it was because he certainly didn't look like he had anything wrong with him. But I do think, you know, we saw Zamir White on a couple plays. I think you need to see more of him. You need to see some more of these guys. And, and they seem to do that. It's not huge amounts of carries. It might be two carries here, three carries there, whatever it is. But I think if you can start to put these together and start to put guys in and understand what their ability is but still win ball games. That really is the perfect combination. And I, I think the, the Raiders, 
if they play and tighten up a little bit from where they were tonight and stick with the Chargers, it's going to be tough because of the defense. I understand that. But if the offense can continue to execute well, if they can get Renfro and Waller back soon, they might be able to go on a little run, which is what I thought Raider fans should look at is, hey, that's our playoffs. If we can get on a nice three, four, five game run and beat a couple rivals in the in the process, good for them. Yeah, you know, and that was what we were looking for earlier in the season, you know, and then we had that as an unfortunate couple games like against the Jaguars and whatnot. And so, um, you know, things didn't quite take the momentum turn that we expected they would, but it, it, but it kind of did. It just did it a couple games too late. And so I'm with you. And so if we can turn this thing around, like, I'm again, I'm not, yes, I'm a delusional Raider fan. I will own that because that's just, <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to, whatever. But, uh, but, you know, but I think there is a, if you can look at this thing objectively, there is a very real world scenario where, like you said, we know we can beat the Chargers. Anything can happen in a division game anyways, but they're not world beaters this year. And then we're yeah. going to take on the Rams and clearly they're not world beaters this year. Um, so yeah, there's a very real world scenario where the Raiders go on a really good run. And when teams go on really good runs and you're playing confident, like that's where the whole thing that we've talked about this numerous times. Then all of a sudden, the culture of the locker room, the culture of the organization, and I don't think it's unhealthy now, but that culture of that expectation of winning can yes. propel teams that are mediocre or maybe you know lacking talent in certain areas to overperform and to outplay. And so then we mm -hmm. do finally go to Arrowhead at the end of the year, or we do, you know what I mean? When we do start to have those yeah. types of more consequential football games, you know, like I'll, I was worried that we were going to get flexed out of the Sunday night game, most importantly, because we're going to that game uh, against the Patriots on Sunday night football. But I'm thinking, oh, there's no way they're going to let our two teams play for it. But if all of a sudden the Raiders are on a run and the Patriots are looking at a potential playoff spot, all of a sudden that Sunday night game has some matters. serious consequence. Absolutely. And it matters. It yeah. absolutely matters. And so that now the Raiders are going to be on the biggest of stages. They're going to, if, 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 and it's an if, but I would, I would hope that there's an opportunity for us to, to build on these next couple of games. And then all of a sudden we're playing yeah. New England at home on Sunday night football with, with consequence. Who knows what they can do on the, in a game like that. So I think it's, I think there's, there's still a lot to look forward to in this season. Absolutely. And, and it's most definitely one game at a time. You have the chargers coming up on Sunday and that's who they need to focus on but it would be great for this team to factor into the playoffs, even if they aren't going to the playoffs. Meaning, imagine you can spoil seeding for the Chiefs the last that last game of the season, or you can spoil the Chargers even getting into the playoffs or any of the AFC teams uh, that the Raiders compete against. It would be phenomenal to be able to do that uh, in a season where you've seen this. Just looking for growth, looking for the team improving in key areas, uh, all three phases of the game, playing good complementary football. Even if they would have lost tonight, again, you and I talked about it last week, even if they had lost tonight in overtime by a field goal because of what happened, you'd have to say, hey, look, Yes, defense still deficient, but you know what? They went out, they played hard, it went back and forth, they executed when they did. The other team was just better and at home, right? But they didn't. They they pulled it out, which was a big deal to win in overtime 40 and put up 40 points uh, on that Seattle defense, which isn't the best in the world, but a pretty good defense and a team that came into that game at 6 and 4, I believe. So, uh, a good night overall, Murph, uh, and now they get ready for the Chargers. It should be an exciting week. I think the fans will be uh, riled up and of course, 
Charger fans, uh, because they won a game at the end, are going to be talking a lot of trash to Raider Nation. I enjoy the back and forth since I grew up a Charger fan um, and used to follow the team. So it'll be a fun week for that. But uh, Murph, tell everybody, too, about your show, because I want to make sure before we go, we like to do that. Tell everybody about Raiders Fan Radio. Tell everybody about the One Nation Foundation as well. I know you'll be in Las Vegas. I think it's in December 16th. Is that the date Um, for the for the Bolitnikoff Crab uh, event? So tell everybody about that and tell everybody when they can watch the show. I appreciate that, Scott. Yeah, so we go live on YouTube at youtube.com slash Raiders Fan Radio every week on Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific and 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, You can join us there live or you can find our show on any audio podcast just by searching Raiders Fan Radio. And uh, any of the the support that you give us uh, through our show, uh, it uh, introduces new advertising opportunities for us. So we appreciate your support in that way. And what we do with that money, whether it be from advertising uh, or direct donations that we get on the Super Chat and YouTubes or any of the money that we raise with Raiders Fan Radio, we give it to uh, our nonprofit, which is called the One Nation Foundation. You can find that at onenationfoundation.net. And uh, we give to all exclusively to Raiders-related charities. And as Scott mentioned, we're giving to the Bolitnikoffs uh, coming up here in just a few weeks, coming up quick at their annual Crab Fest and, uh, and look forward to being there and presenting a, a, a big fat five-figured check uh, on yes. behalf of our listeners, on behalf of our audience to the Bolitnikoffs. Uh, we appreciate them very much. And, uh, and, 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 and for those of you that are on the video here, I'm wearing the Raiders fan radio holiday shirt. Oh, you can get this thing. It's only going to be available until, uh, until the end of the year. And 100% of that money is going to go to our nonprofit. So we appreciate again, all your support. And even if you can't help us out monetarily, uh, just give us a like, give us a thumbs up, smash the bell, stab the links as the kids say, <laughs> do all that crazy stuff. Uh, and just help us um, out, get the word out for Raiders fan radio. And we appreciate you very much. And, uh, and Scott, yeah, as, as always, my friend, I appreciate you. And the platform that you give us here on Silver and Black today is always very, very much appreciated. Oh, we appreciate you guys. And they do such great work. And it's it's really about Raider Nation helping Raider Nation and helping the world around them, joining together as a family, as a community. And uh, luckily, through the One Nation Foundation, Murph and his team are able to do that. It's amazing, amazing work. And Murph, we love having you on the show to hear from you. And I know uh, it's a popular segment, and we certainly appreciate that. And we will talk to you next week. Hopefully after a Raider win against the Chargers at home, right? Absolutely. So I'll be, I'm going to be back in the great state of Mississippi next week, too. <laughs> I'll be coming to you live from the Bet MGM Sportsbook at the Gold nice. Strike Casino. Yeah, so that ought to be look fun. That. But yeah, but look, look forward to that and, uh, and appreciate you uh, very, very much, Scott. Look forward to seeing you, Raider Nation. See you next week. Let's go beat the Dolts! There you go. Follow Murph on Twitter, by the way, at underscore Murph is where you can find him. Of course, Raiders Fan Radio as well on Twitter. And do me the favor, make sure you go over to YouTube and follow them. Hit that notifications bell and take part in their show. It's great, great fun. I'm in there uh, and always just laugh. I'm usually having a cigar and a bourbon when I watch them because that's the kind of show it is, by the way. It's awesome. It's great. So make sure you do that as well. Do us a favor, too. Make sure you subscribe to our show podcast as well. Uh, Anywhere you get your podcast, we are an Odyssey original podcast. We appreciate it. We're still third in the country behind the Eagles and Cowboys podcast. So the more you download, the more you can put subscriptions up there and also do auto downloads, the more it helps. Because I know Raider Nation doesn't want to lose to the Eagles or the Cowboys, even in the podcast world. So help us do that. But Mo and I, very, very humbled uh, by your support for us to be number three out of 32 
32 teams is amazing. Not only that, but we're top 10 amongst all of their sports co- uh, sports podcasts. They are a huge network odyssey. Of course, they own a bunch of radio stations, including 98.5 The Fan, where you can hear our show on Sundays at 9 a.m. as well. So uh, make sure you do that. Also subscribe here to our YouTube channel so you see our new videos. Hit subscription plus the notifications bell. And also, we will be back on Tuesday. Momotin will be back. Yes, he's finally better. He was back working football today. And so we're glad that he's got his voice back and he can actually come back on with us on Tuesday. So for Murph, for Momotin, I am Scott Branson. This has been Silver and Black today. Raiders 40 to 34 winners over the Seattle Seahawks in overtime, moving the record to four and seven. It's a win for Raider Nation. Enjoy your week and we will talk to you guys on Tuesday. Thanks.